If a mayor can do it, so can we, educational leaders. In this Edge video, receive tremendous leadership insights from the transformative Louisville, Kentucky mayor, Greg Fisher. Well, good afternoon, Mayor Fisher. We are so honored to spend some time with you and learning about your approach to leadership. My pleasure to be with you guys. So, Mayor Fisher, I wonder if you could start by telling our audience what your vision and philosophy is of governance. Because I heard you speak and you said some things that were that I've never heard before from a mayor. Well, so first off, I'm not a career politician, so I come at this with a little different perspective. I'm a business person and an entrepreneur, and I've always been fascinated in how you can build high-performance organizations and experimented and learned a lot with that in the private sector and had some good success in several different companies doing that. So, And I've always been interested in public service. I've done a lot of community service over the years. And so kind of the notion that I wanted to explore was, can you build a high-performance city and the core of that is obviously the citizens and how can the city be a platform for human potential to thrive, uh, to come alive, to shine like the sun. Thomas Merton would describe it that way. Uh, so we went about uh, doing that with the city. We've, we're seeing some good progress. Obviously, we have a lot to do. But if you could live in a city that represented our three values, the, the one is compassion, the second is lifelong learning, so a city of constant learning and curiosity, entrepreneurship. And the third is the healthy city, so physical, mental, environmental health. Those were the values that I talked about on the first day uh, when I, my inaugural address, and we've been pursuing those ever since. And this notion of compassion was the one that's really been the most controversial, which I think is funny considering it's compassion, because people were like, you know, what's an elected official doing talking about compassion? Uh, make you feel soft or look soft. And I said, oh, to the contrary, uh, it's easy to be a cynic uh, laying on the couch at home, yelling at the TV and thinking about what other people should be doing. The question is, what are you going to do? And how can we connect as a, as a city of 760,000 people here so we understand our interdependence and our interconnectedness on each other? Uh, so compassion is really a, a contact sport. And when you look at it that way and you look at it as our opportunity to lift each other up and develop a community of shared opportunity and prosperity and access and equity, uh, it's a really exciting way to look at a city and how it can grow. What are the, some of the things that you're proudest of um, that where you've actually taken action as mayor and you've seen the community take action in order to bring this value to life in Louisville? Well, I'm just entering my six years mayor, so second year of the second term. So we've been working on a lot of these issues long enough now. So we're seeing uh, you know, manifestations of them come to life. Uh, in the last uh, three months or so, there's been two really profound. Uh, one was, unfortunately, we had an incident at our Islamic Center on uh, River Road here. which was one of several in the community where somebody graffitied something on the uh, on the mosque, and the graffiti didn't make any sense, but it was a, uh, you know, it was an affront to religious freedom, really. And so we called uh, the, some community leaders together. The next morning, we condemned the act, and I asked the community, please come and help us uh, clean this up. Uh, the next day, about a thousand people show up to do a job that would have taken four people about four hours each. And it was an incredible display of community 
And I credit all that with the work that we've done through our Festival of Faiths, our focus on our city value of compassion. Uh, and if you know that story with Thomas Merton where he had his epiphany of people and their interconnectedness, and he described people as uh, moving around as if they were shining like the sun. You could feel that force field of energy there at the Islamic Center with all these people. It was like goodness was radiating from them and they were feeding off of each other. So what could have been a horrible international story turned into a beautiful international story of how a community comes together around this secular value of compassion. And the same thing happened when uh, during this political silly season, especially during some of the presidential debates, uh, the divisive language, the hate-filled language, especially toward uh, refugees, immigrants, was very prominent. So uh, we called a rally to uh, honor refugees, uh, to honor the victims of terror, and also to honor American values. That kind of confused some people. But I think th these values of inclusion, uh, kindness, love are important. And the point that we made was we can be both a compassionate city and a safe city. These are not mutually exclusive. So don't let people divide us. And we have to be loud with these uh, notions of compassion, kindness, and love, because the voices on the other side of these issues are very loud these days. And some people think because they're so loud, that's the way the country is thinking. And what the response is we receive from our citizens is just the opposite, that they want to stand up for who we are as human beings. And I guess that's best exemplified the last uh, example here in our give a day week of service. Uh, compassion is a value that I haven't found anybody to disagree with. The question is how do you bring it to life? And we bring it to life in many different ways, but the easiest to understand is through our service work. And our, our prominent week of that we call give a day week of service. Uh, last year, uh, we had over 166,000 acts of compassion during that week. So it's uh, it's like a tsunami of compassion. And we've had 40 different cities uh, benchmark our work in uh, compassion, the Charter for Compassion. And what we're trying to do here is start a brush fire that will spread around the country. This is really extraordinary. At the, at the Gardner Carney Leadership Institute, our primary audience are teachers and administrators. And, and they have big dreams. And yet sometimes they go in and they feel like there's inertia. Um, people are used to leaders talking in certain ways and they're used to leaders not talking in other ways and it's hard to get things to change. Here you are with a city of 760,000 people and a lot of infrastructure. How do you think you managed to get people to listen and to mobilize these new kinds of initiatives in Louisville? Well, I'll always say we always have a lot more to do. It can always go faster. So I certainly don't think we've reached the promised land, but we've made great progress. So there's a couple of things. One is you have to be clear on what your vision is and then just relentlessly communicate it. And, and I talk about lifelong learning, compassion, and help every day, multiple times. Uh, you have big, big organizations that need to hear from you, lots of people. And through repetition, people start internalizing it. So in Compassion, for instance, there are a multitude of groups now in the city that have their own Compassion initiatives. Uh, everything from the curriculum at our medical school now has Compassion in Healthcare as one of their courses they teach through the creation of Compassion at Louisville. And 
the business community looking at compassion, uh, the healthcare community, the education community, et cetera. So what I often find is when you have a noble goal like compassion or health, uh, learning, uh, set some goals and move toward those. Usually you don't end up exactly where you thought you were going to end up, but a lot of good things happen along the way. So the important thing is to get started. Uh, people have that were skeptical at the beginning about some of this now understand. So uh, I, I guess, I don't know if you have to be courageous to do it, but you can't be worried about what other people are going to be thinking because most people are just going to not have the instinct to go ahead and push forward. But I would say for people is to, you know, what is your wildest dream that's uh, bedded in nobility and something that's good for everybody that you've been wanting to share for with the world that you've thoroughly researched, that you have an idea on how to execute and you have an idea on how to involve people and then communicate that with gusto and with passion and with fearlessness and, and do it every day. And when you pull all that together, uh, folks start saying, hey, maybe there's something here. How can I help? And then you start them on their mission and their journey. And that's one of the greatest joys out of anything like this is that you see other people starting to realize the potential that they had within themselves that they didn't know was there. And that really scales effectively, whether it be in a family unit, a neighborhood unit, or a, or a community unit. So it's, uh, it's both fun and productive. Do, do you have any particular approach that's really worked for you apart from what you've already discussed, having a super clear vision that's noble and, and just staying at it. Do you have any particular method and approach towards developing leaders? Because you can't do it alone in a city. Well, right. And so training is important uh, to think about how, what kind of skills are required uh, to scale a mission. And a lot of people, it's not natural that they would have a skill. So what kind of training is there? How can you execute that? So you start spreading the message because uh, one person can only do so much, but then if that one person turns into 10 and then 100 and 1,000 and 10,000, you know, it really starts to get some impact from it. So what's the skill you're trying to develop in folks, uh, trained to that skill? And then obviously you have to have kind of a, a duality, I call it, that uh, you're comfortable with the fact that you're clear on the vision, but you're also comfortable with the fact that you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. So bringing a, a good group of like-minded people together and empowering the group and then checking every so often, you know, how are we doing against our goals? What are we learning? How do we readjust? Okay, let's go back and do it again. So we kind of keep that cycle, if you will, so that we can make sure our, our improvement is fast. So, uh, you know, big projects take a lot of work and a lot of iteration and improvement. And it's really interesting now that we've been doing this for over five years or so to see the way it's developed all throughout our community. And we're doing a lot of great things in our city around innovation and improvement. We call this social innovation. And of all the things people inquire as to what's going on in our city uh, around the world, uh, the number one issue is compassion. And why is the city talking about compassion? Mayor Fisher, any last words of advice that you have uh, for the educator who really wants to make a difference for their students? Wow. Well, first, uh, a major thanks to educators out there. They're on the front line, and I think they are not as appreciated nearly as well as they should be in our community. So I hope to be part of changing part of that and 
So we've got that as a longer, longer goal in terms of giving teachers and educators the tools that they really need to succeed in a classroom. And the situation is totally different, obviously, right, from really challenged classrooms to really uh, classrooms where kids have got all the advantages. So how do you accurately kind of assess what your starting position is? Uh, it's important. And then how do we set the goals that are appropriate toward that? Uh, and, and any level of uh, student can be impacted in a really positive way. Uh, we're having a project here in our community called the Compassionate Schools Project, where we're focusing with the kids on social and emotional learning skills, uh, coping better, and that's the cause of a lot of violence, not being able to cope, uh, nutrition and wellness, and then mindfulness, so teaching kids how to breathe and be present in the moment, and these kids are K to five, and we're already seeing tremendous uh, progress with them in all aspects or phases of their life by being able to slow down, be more mindful, and for a lot of the kids, especially kids that come from distressed uh, backgrounds, it's the first time for many of them that they've been able to be present. So that could be a great starting point for many of our t teachers to uh, give the gift, teach the gift of being mindful and present and calm uh, so you can proceed forward with what I call open mind and open heart. And then we can see the world in a very different way. So uh, that might be a little uh, amorphous for folks, but that's a... Uh, a great way to start and, and then set some noble goals with your with your class and figure out a way to pursue them. One of the challenges both in government and I know in the classroom is where do you have the time to do something like this and how do you integrate it into uh, what you've got going on and what we have done is kind of include this type of work as part of what we call our daily work so it's not something different or new but it's part of what we do every day. Hmm. Well, on behalf of the GCLI, I want to thank you for this extraordinary work you're doing in Louisville and for the trailblazing work you're doing as a leader. I find it very inspiring. Okay. Well, Ted, I appreciate that. And I invite everybody to come visit us in Louisville. <laughs> we will. Thank you so much, Mayor Fisher. Okay. Take care.